Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. You are listening to episode number 174, Yoga Nija with Kelly Smith. I am very particular about the type of CBD and hemp products that I use. There's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing quality and innovation back to Black, Indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes and make sure you use code witchy, W-I-C-T-H-Y for 20% off of your purchase. And without further ado, please enjoy episode 174, Yoga Nidra with Kelly Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, I am Lauren, and this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way they're actually leading the way. And today we're speaking with the wonderful Kelly Smith about yoga nidra. She is a globally renowned yoga and meditation teacher, EYRT 500, and co-founder of Yoga For You, and the host of the chart-topping Mindful and Menace podcast. It's a spinoff meditation and it's been off Meditation Mama, and the founder of Yoga For You, a location-independent yoga and meditation school that has served thousands of students located all through the U.S., Canada, and U.K. Kelly specializes in non-physical limbs of yoga and is best known for her master trainings and workshops in meditation, restorative yoga, yoga nidra, as well as her international yoga and mindfulness retreats. Kelly is teaching, Kelly's teaching philosophy is grounded in her belief that yoga and meditation is not a one-size-fits-all. She encourages her students and listeners to find their own personal practice, listen to their bodies, and find inner joy by accessing their authentic selves and owning their power. Oh my goodness. We can go so many places in that. I, I love the authentic power. I know we're going to try to do yoga nidra today, but oh my goodness. Thank you, fellow yogini, for coming on the show today, Kelly. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to just chat and talk all things yoga nidra and authentic power and all the good stuff. Yeah. Well, how did you get into yoga and how did you get into, I mean, there's always this heroes or heroines journey, right? That, you know, things bring us to what we're so passionate about, but there's always this healing journey and we're still on it. It's never, we're never arrived. Um, how did you become this beautiful yoga meditation, yoga nidra teacher? Oh, so like many, and I don't know about you, Lauren, but I always find this 
question to be a little bit tricky to answer because it's like it's never linear and it's never just like, well, I did this and then I did that and then I now have found myself here. And, you know, it's always very just like all over the place. So the Spark Notes version um, was I started yoga way back when I was a teenager, which was very long time ago now. And I did it as cross training for my sports. I was an athlete and I wanted like the good stretch. You know, I, I admit to being a Shavasana skipper, a reformed Shavasana skipper, which like, you know, just hold the phone right there because now I teach meditation in Yoga Nidra and Yoga Nidra can be like a 60 minute Shavasana. So it's been quite a journey from point A to point B. Oh yeah. But yes, but when I was looking for, you know, the good stretch um, or Shavasana was a waste of time, um, I had a very different mindset of what I wanted. And it wasn't until later um, when I, there are two different instances that kept pulling me back to like the gentler, softer sides of yoga, the meditation, yoga, nidra, restorative. The first was when my mom was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer when I was 16 and I was her caregiver. And we just couldn't do a power vinyasa. We couldn't do the movement. That's not what her body needed. And that's not what like my heart needed at that time. And that's where I really was introduced to the power of gentle movement and meditation and turning inward. And then fast forward several years later, I've done a yoga teacher training. Um, I move for love to the middle of nowhere, Missouri, and I decide I'm going to open a yoga studio. And again, I have my students and I firmly believe as a teacher, it is our job to just meet our students where they're at. Teaching has nothing to do with like me as the teacher. It's just my job to show up and meet my students where they're at and help them find their most authentic selves or unlock their power, whatever they are looking for. And I had a lot of students that, again, didn't need a power vinyasa. They didn't care. They weren't there to try to learn how to do a a headstand or how to, you know, float into an arm balance, they wanted to be able to tie their shoes on their own, or they wanted to just really, you know, reduce some of their stress. And I was challenged again to explore the softer. And when I say softer, I mean like the less physical based sides of yoga. And I just really dove into that. And that's where I did another teacher training, which introduced me to yoga nidra and dove a lot deeper into meditation. And from there, I really just fell in love with this idea of like the true self and the soul space and helping people take a journey to that space. Uh, And for me, one of my favorite ways to do that is yoga nidra. So it's kind of just evolved from there. And now, again, many years later, a few different iterations later, we're here. We're here. I know. I, I, I hate getting asked that question too. So I'm like, all right, how many days do you have to, uh, to talk about this? Because you're right. But I, you know, beautifully said by you, it's, you know, whatever comes up in the moment of like kind of the main themes that tie, tie it together. It's when we, when we're aware retrospectively more so, but even in the moment you're able to see your intuition and the universe speaking through you and how we get there is through all forms of yoga that gets us present. And I love how, what you said, the less physical limbs or parts of yoga, because a lot of people just think yoga is just the asana physical practice, but there are eight different limbs. And yeah, I think it's beautiful to explore non-physical stuff too, because we're in such a world that is so solar and, and, and this masculine go all the time, go, 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 go. And I 
I love a good power yoga class. I love being able to do a jump back and like, you know, do my heads, you know, all those crazy, stupid things. But what's more challenging sometimes is to be able to sit there and be present and still. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think, I mean, they say the most challenging pose is Shavasana, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, and I, you know, I do still love a good power practice and I am such like a sun energy person. Um, and that is where like, I love kind of these less physical limbs. And, you know, I, like you said, there's eight limbs. I always tell people like when you're doing your warrior twos, like that's wonderful and that's great. That's so good for your body. But by definition, that's one eighth of what the practice of yoga is. And like yoga nidra, one of the other limbs is pratyahara, withdrawal of the senses. And yoga nidra is one of the strongest practices of pratyahara, withdrawing from the senses and turning inward, which is so powerful. Um, But I also, you know, I find that the things that we don't like in life, whether it be like Shavasana or, you know, sitting still is usually what we need the most of because that's an indication of where we may have some imbalance. And I, if I let myself just kind of, you know, lean into some of my worst tendencies, that looks like being a workaholic, that looks like, you know, trying to overdo it, like go, 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 doing all like the fiery, masculine, like intense things. And I, if I never stop and balance it out with like the cool feminine moon, you know, we call it Ida and Pingala in yoga. If I never balance balance it out, um, you know, I kind of just, it just keeps snowballing. And so for me, I think these softer, less physical limbs, as much as I love a good power practice as well, it feels so good, but I need the other side to balance myself out. And so many people, I think, are afraid to be still because what's going to come up and when are we really just like still and with ourselves and in no one else's company, nothing, no, you know, music or podcasts in the background, nothing. We're just like with ourselves. And I think for many people that can be really scary and like the unknown can be scary and we don't know what's happening within. Yeah. And I completely agree. Sometimes we, we have our own kind of anxious or attachment styles of how we react to things and a lot of the times we just don't want to be in our bodies which is ironic because you are technically in your body in asana but um for me I know when I don't want to be in my body you're right I know I need to go into my body and practice something like yoga nidra or breath work that just by sensing and being with myself that embodiment is so healing and you can find refuge and in a sense of peace or santosa or contentment within yourself that's always been there. And I was so excited that you wanted to come on and talk about yoga nidra because we haven't <laughs> talked about it yet. So we're, we're like tiptoeing around it. We're like kind of yeah, like teasing dive. the customer. We'll, you know, we'll dive in. Let's dive in. <laughs> so explain like what what does what is yoga nidra? Um, wh- how is it different than like meditation? Maybe we can start there. Yeah, great question. So yoga nidra means like yogic sleep. And I always say it means 
yogic sleep, not yoga nap. So our goal is not to fall asleep and take a nap, but I do, if I forget about this, Lauren, make sure to bring me back to talk about what if you do fall asleep because it's so common. So make sure to, you know, rein me in if I forget. But what we're trying to do with yoga nidra in yogic sleep is we're trying to find a way to basically put our bodies to sleep, but keep our minds and our souls awake so that we can plant a positive seed of intention. We call it a sankalpa into the most fertile soil of a manifestation that we have, which is our true self, Atman, or our soul space, the universe within whatever you like to call it. You could insert that there. And the way that we do this is if you are just practicing yoga nidra, it will feel like a long guided meditation. You'll be laying there in Shavasana. You'll be so comfortable. You have your pillows, your blankets. It's like yoga sleepover. And you just have to listen to the sound of my voice. That's it. So it'll feel like a long guided meditation. But what we're actually doing is we're taking a journey through the koshas, which are the different layers of our being. They're very much like those, kind of like those Russian nesting dolls where you have the original in the center and then, you know, all the other ones gets bigger and bigger. What we're trying to do is pull out and kind of open up the copies or the replicas that are around the original. We're trying to get to the center or the true self. So we have like the, you know, the physical body, which of course, you know, you see the energetic body, the emotional body, the mental body, the wisdom body, and the bliss body, and we have the true self within. So through Yoga Nidra, we go through these different koshas with different exercises. You start by rotating through awareness in your physical body. Then you focus on the breath. Then you're going to move through these opposing feelings and sensations. Then you're going to work with imagery. Then you'll sit in silence for a little bit because the bliss body likes silence. And then we will once again reaffirm our sankalpa or our intention. And hopefully at this point, we're face-to-face with the true self. And we're getting to spend some really special, deep quality time with our souls, with our true self. And that is something that I think is so powerful. And you have to kind of you know, coax the true self forward sometimes by removing these different layers and speaking in their language. So it may feel like a long guided meditation, but we're actually taking a journey from the outward self to the true self. I love that. And what, what came to mind when you said that speaking the language of the true self, sometimes we think you know, everybody speaks English, everybody speaks a language, you know, but it's it's a, um, we're all energetic beings. So it's tapping into those different frequencies really is, um, you know, in, in yoga, you might have chanted before, or, you know, taken a class where you said, Om, which is the sound of all things, um, the creation. But for me, it's like, how do we tap into these different deeper parts that are always there that we can't see? And I think yoga nidra is this beautiful communication tool, right? It's it's a connection, but communication of hopefully some some downloads too as well. And how how does it help with like, you know, from in my viewpoint of like energy healing, energy work, you know, we, when we can tap into that higher vibration or who we who we really are, kind of a lot of stuff can can fall or you can let go of, you know, parigraha kind of. Does that help with, with that as well? It does. And I think that, you know, we often 
look at, you know, some of the physical benefits of yoga nidra, which are wonderful, like improving your sleep because you do, you know, there's a lot going on with yoga nidra in which you're moving your body through different sleep stages. It can help with your sleep and many other physical benefits, but something, and the thing that's so hard and Lauren, I'm sure you can relate to this, you know, with your work as well, but it's like, you can't just go and get like an MRI of like your chakras or like get like your aura x-rayed, right? So it's, it's, harder because we can't put like evidence and be like, wow, look at this scan of my energetic body compared to this one, like a before and after. But what I have experienced for myself in my practice and also anecdotally through my students is that when you take this journey through your different layers of the being, the different koshas, it's almost like you're kind of um, shaking up each layer and kind of getting some of the gunk out. Now, with that said, that does mean in order to get the gunk out, sometimes you have to see the gunk, deal with the gunk, and then release it. But when we have all of these different layers, it, it can almost be kind of this like deep cleaning in a way of like going through different layers, kind of clearing out some of that gunk. Um, and from my understanding, also doing some energy healing and energy work, um, that I my belief is that with yoga nidra, we go even a little bit deeper. Like energy healing works really strongly on the energetic body, where when we go even deeper, like into like the mental body, um, you know, like the logic brain or going into like our wisdom part of us, like that we're going even deeper in yoga nidra, but definitely there's a little bit of shaking up at each layer, a little shaking up and a little clearing out, which, you know, we've all experienced some form of having to, you know, move the only way out is through. And, and that can sometimes happen in yoga nidra, but I think it really helps to kind of get, you know, a little attention on these different layers. And then when you do get face to face with the true self or the soul, I mean, that is like our highest self, our, our most authentic self. And if we're face to face with that and having a conversation, spending quality time with that part of us, my goal is with practicing yoga nidra and helping others is that we'll no longer have two different selves, like the self that we show everyone when we show up in the world and then the truest self that lives within. My goal is always to just have the most authentic true self and the self that everyone sees be the same. And that what when I speak, when I communicate, when I connect with people, when I just am with people, that there is no difference between the self that shows up in the physical world when I'm on a Zoom call or whatever versus the me that is, you know, deepest within. Ooh, we can just like mic drop on that one. I feel like that was just like <laughs> nailed it. I don't want to end the recording, but we could. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that I totally agree. And I think that's my personal belief, like that's, that's our mission on earth is it isn't to get a million dollars or find the love of our lives. It's to integrate and embody who we really are in this incarnation, however that looks and be that true authentic self and really let go of, you know, the childhood, if depending on your beliefs, I'm sure you agree with me, past lives as well, or even, you know, cultural, we're, we're seeing a lot of that bubble up right now, societally with since 2020, I mean, politics, um, virus stuff that's been going around. It's like the world feels like there's a lot of contrast, but for me, I think it's people are starting to realize what's true to me and not, and my truth might be different than your truth. 
And yeah, the embodiment of our true self is so, so powerful. It might sound easy, but sometimes it's not, but it's just implementing things like yoga nidra to help help you reach that, but also calm you down to allow your nervous system and your body to get there. Um, and speaking of relaxing a nervous system and falling asleep, I wanted to get back because I forgot <laughs> to bring you back to this. What happens yeah. if you fall asleep? Because I fall asleep sometimes and I actually fall asleep more in meditation than I do in yoga nidra, but what happens if we fall asleep? Do we just like ruin the whole thing? What? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because it's so common during both meditation and yoga nidra. Also, I hear from a lot of people they don't want to try yoga nidra meditation in a group setting because they're worried that they'll fall asleep and snore, which I think is just like a really precious but legitimate fear. And and I always tell like our bodies are so smart. Our bodies are designed to survive. And I always tell people like, if you are falling asleep, chances are that's your body saying, I'm rest and sleep deprived. And that shouldn't be overlooked. And if our bodies are so smart and it's like, you know, and when you, I, I thought of this even before you prompted this question, when you're talking about like the nervous system being able to calm down. And I mean, our bodies, first and foremost, they're going to try to survive over taking a journey to the true self. Because I mean, what's more important, our actual like biological survival and resilience or a journey to the true self? Like our bodies will always put survival above, you know, whatever level of introspection or withdrawal of the senses, right? That's how we're designed. So if we are consistently falling asleep, although I do want to give a few tips to maybe help if you are struggling to fall asleep, but if you're consistently falling asleep, like quickly and like hard in yoga nidra and or meditation, probably just need some more rest and you might it might just be a signal from your body to start prioritizing that first get that on track get your body the rest that it needs then we can come back to the journey to the true self and unlocking the secrets of the universe but if you do consistently find that you're falling asleep or you want to work with that i do tell people this goes for both yoga nidra and meditation because it happens a lot in meditation as well as you said um is that you want to be comfortable, but not so comfortable that maybe you'll fall asleep. So although I described it as the yoga sleepover, all the pillows, all the blankets, and it may be as simple as if you know you're going to lay down on your back and you just, that's how you sleep at night, you know you're going to fall asleep. Maybe you want to try adding some more props and doing like a sideline position, or maybe you want to get in a really like supportive, like restorative yoga, kind of like, um, they call it like the queen's throne where you can be like in a reclining position where you can still get fully relaxed in the body, but you're not replicating sleep. And same with meditation. Like you can meditate in a chair. You can meditate in a seated position that is comfortable, but not so comfortable you could easily just take a nap there so you could also adjust the time of day that you're practicing like if you just are not a morning person and if you try to meditate in your first 15 minutes of your day in bed and you know you're likely to go back to sleep you know maybe that's just not the best time try doing it the last 10 or 15 minutes there's no people will try to tell you like the only time to meditate is the morning and I don't subscribe to that idea I think the best time to meditate is the time that works for you and that you're likely to stick to and that's it. So if the first few minutes of your day 
is not ideal. Or if you know by the end of the day you're tired and you want to do yoga nidra before bed, but you're already completely worn out and shot from the day, you're probably going to fall asleep. That's how our bodies are designed. And that's also okay. And I think just being a little nicer to ourselves, but you know, if you're falling asleep every time, we might need to either change the time of day or just skip the yoga nidra practice. And maybe this is like I don't know, naughty of me to say as a yoga need to practice, but like skip it and go to bed, get your rest that you need. Let you, that's where your body does all of its healing and restoration and replenishment. Like if you need that, do that first. And then let's come back to the yoga nidra. Wow. Yeah, I totally agree. And I would just shout out if you guys have never done the, is it the queen's throne? Is that, is that the right eye when I'm ever in a yin class or at home too? I'm less likely to do it at home, get all my props out, but uh, that's my favorite restorative pose. So like lush and oh. you, and it's just, it's, it's a really, and, and I know it's, people are probably like, okay, like we're listening to your voice. Like that isn't, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, how, but basically Queen's Throne is like, if you took one big bolster and two blocks and you put one block on the tall height and one on the medium height, and then put the bolster on these two blocks to create like an incline. And then you can lay yourself back on the incline and just rest your hands like on the floor. It just creates this like supported like um, reclining seated position and then you can do whatever you want with your legs it's kind of like the yoga version of like a lazy boy and it's so nice yes oh my gosh that's so true and and it's a beautiful heart opener too depending on how tall you put the box up underneath it it's a beautiful heart opener I like to um, sit either cross-legged is kind of the best way crisscross applesauce however you say it um it's it's a very nice relaxing, but keeps you aware enough not to fall asleep. For me, number one rule, unless I'm meditating to fall asleep, because some nights I need that, I am not in bed. Number one rule for me, because I know no matter what time of day, I will fall asleep. Unless I'm doing a very intense breath work, which is a little bit different than what we're talking about, um, like a Wim Hof kind of style. Um, yeah, and a lot of people... Sometimes if you do fall asleep, either your body's saying you need more sleep, it's trying to protect you. If I fall asleep in a meditation or a yoga, um, yoga nidra, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I needed to kind of black out for whatever needed to be done energetically or internally to be let go of or integrate. Because sometimes in meditation, I know that I didn't fall asleep, but I get so deep. I'm like, where did I go? You know, so there, I will say, don't be hard on yourself. Yes, it's good because your body could just need sleep or it's trying to protect you or some, some crap's happening. Like it's, you know, so don't, don't the judgment part with, especially yoga, when you go to yoga class, you're trying to compare yourself to that headstand or whatever. Same for meditation or yoga nidra practice. Every day, every meditation, every yoga nidra is different. And that's yes. yoga. That's practicing yoga. It's allowing that to be different. <laughs> and yes, and exactly that. And it's just a practice. It's not a perfect, it's not, I mean, what is the end goal? It's not like yoga and meditation are like a video game where you're trying to get to like the next level, the next level, and then you like beat the game somewhere. Like it's, it's not quite designed like that. Like no one, you know, and if anyone does tell you they've like, you know, basically beat the game of yoga, like I'd be a little suspicious of that, but it's just like where, you know, we're, we're always just trying to evolve and you know, work within the self. And there isn't really like a finish line to that. It's just 
it is what it is. And you're working with what you have that day. And it's just a practice and something that you're exploring and practicing to hopefully ultimately bring to, you know, your everyday life. I know we're getting a little off track, but I think about this a lot with meditation where, you know, and I I often with my students, sometimes I have them sit with their discomfort and not in a way that can be like, you know, triggering or upsetting. But if, you know, they're feeling like, they're feeling frustration. It's like, great, let's sit with frustration today. Because if you can sit with your frustration in a kind of a safe space in your meditation practice, like the world is frustrating. People are frustrating. Like you can easily get frustrated living out in the everyday world. And if you can learn how to safely explore that within your meditation practice, it becomes way easier to manage and live with in the outside world. And so I think, you know, that it's important too to remember that like it's a practice and there's so much like less pressure. Everyone tries to make this like so serious and so like, you know, this is the way that it is and I want to do it right. I get that asked, you know, people ask me that all the time, am I doing this right? And they say, well, are you, you know, are you trying to do single point of concentration or are you, you know, showing up and trying to pay attention in yoga nidra? If they say, yeah, then I'm like, great, you're doing it perfect. And that's it. Like the devil is in the details. So we just have to kind of do what feels right and just try. Mm, I so agree. And one more note on like the, the emotion part and being with that discomfort. For me, what I've found is, you know, the quote, the only way, through you know through is in you know and on the other side and as well as our emotions are just like us they just want to be seen yes and I know that you and I practice this stuff but I have to say like it multiple times a week I have to sit with hard emotions things come up it's not like you know more these practicing yoginis where it's butterflies and rainbows all the time not at all not mm-hmm. at all. And sometimes I, I feel like, what am I doing? Like, am I really practicing this the right way? Right. And that judgment starts to creep in, but in those moments where you can be with that discomfort and you almost move into it and be with it and see it, it's like this expansiveness happens where in this beautiful storm, you're now in the eye of it and you're the observer of the storm you are Absolutely. having this experience of the anger, of the depression, of the anxiety, whatever it is. Um, I have found the most serene moments. And let's like this week, I know that. I know that I can get to that place, but I was still, I really wanted to be on my anger. I really identified with that. I did not want to let it go. You know, so you there it's it's a refractory period. Sometimes you catch it sooner, sometimes you catch it longer, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's a practice. And the, um, like you said, you move through the emotional body through yoga nidra. And it's, um, yeah, I don't want people to think like when you have contrast to your negative emotions in life or in yoga or in yoga nidra or meditation, that's bad. A lot of times, so things are coming up for you to be with it, for you to work, not want to say work through it, but just be with it and allow it really. Yeah. And I, and I think something that was coming up for me when you were sharing all of that is like the true self doesn't judge. And to me, when I find myself getting into this space of like judgment or comparison or, you know, the better, the better than box sometimes where you're just like, oh, well, if, you know, I, I don't, 
I can only speak for myself, but sometimes in my marriage or, you know, or you think like, oh, well, you know, if I would have done this, it probably would have, you know, gone smoother or, oh, well, that's why I'm in charge of the grocery shopping or whatever, like tight, like just ridiculous little things where it's like you put yourself in. It's like the true self doesn't care about like who has a more organized grocery list. And that to me, one, not only is why I think the practices like meditation, but yoga nidra that's designed to get you to that true self is so important. But also I now, like once you kind of taste the sweetness of the soul and you feel like the magic of the true self and that highest self that like doesn't compare, doesn't have judgment and is innately, I believe, innately good, you then can become more aware of when you're not connected to that true self. And you can be like, wow, like, wow, I'm really like being really judgy about this grocery list right now. And you can kind of just like let go of something and be like, wow, like I really and you know, social media can be wonderful. It can also be horrible. And when you when you look at someone else's stuff and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, look at her like she's like slaying it. Like the true self is either, you know, indifferent and probably, I mean, the true self for me may not be on social media that much, but also like looking and just being like, oh my gosh, like that's so great. Like, look at her. She's, you know, she's thriving. Where then the other part of me that gets stuck in that wheel of comparison is being like, oh, like how did, you know, what is, what is she doing that I'm not doing? Or how did she get there and I didn't? And I think once you taste like that, that space of just true, like higher self, most authentic self, it becomes easier to distinguish between what is true self and like, what is some of this, you know, innately human struggles or flaws. And I, and this brings me all the way back to what you were saying earlier in our chat about how we may be going through a little bit of this like awakening. And like, I think very much that the true self and the soul within everyone is innately good. And I think that the true self can't like hate. Hate is a learned behavior. I have a little baby at home and he didn't come out of my womb knowing how to hate. He did. There are certain things that we just know how to do. One of them being love and to connect. He didn't know. He knows, you know, fear, but like some of these things are learned behaviors. And like the true self doesn't know hate. And that's not like you know, to hate someone is not like a true self behavior. Our souls don't naturally know how to do that. It's learned. And I think that that can be kind of uncomfortable because with that, that makes us question a lot and like makes us really think like, why do I have hate in my heart towards this person? Or, and maybe hate is too strong or triggering of a word, but why do I have these feelings towards someone else that really that doesn't impact why does this person's lifestyle make me feel this way and that's a piece of like ego too like how dare they do this and then I feel this way about it and it's like oh I you know removing that ego piece of being like oh well sorry the world kept turning you know while you're living your life or trying to take this spiritual journey and I just think that it's so important to connect with the true self because that is a space without judgment and hate and if we can just get a little taste of that it becomes so much harder to carry that anger and that hate and some of those lower vibrational things in your heart oh so beautifully said and of course, it's like the universe speaks through the podcast. And I have people on my interview I had yesterday, we talked about this um, same thing, but with fighting, you know, what, what you resist persists. And same, it's the same thing with hate, especially, you know, I mentioned earlier about how contrasty the world seems to be. And people are very judgy of people's 
life decisions and or the world politics in general. And when you can come from this authentic, true self, peaceful place and accepting, that's okay if they they believe differently than I do. It not only do you feel better, it disarms the other person and it allows them to to the opportunity, whether they do or not, come into that vibration with you. Um, it's so it's so important instead of you know, I'm anti this, fighting for this. We, we need we need to just be promoting those higher self vibrational emotions like love. Like I, I'm for freedom. I'm from for acceptance. I'm pro peace. Mm-hmm. Instead of like you said, with the hate that that's that's taught. Fighting is taught, and those two go so hand in hand. And it, it, for me, this is just a big opportunity for us to step in to that more authentic, loving, peaceful self. Yes. And I think, you know, I think discord is incredible. I think disagreement is great. And I think it's okay to see things differently or have different opinions as other people. And that is okay. But when we are unable to listen or open our hearts, or even just get to a space of accepting that this person holds a different belief than you, that, you know, that's where we kind of get in our own way. And we're all just shouting, you know, so loud to try to speak over the other. And I, something that I come back to again and again, and that I think of often is that when you show up in a space and you are courageous enough to be your most authentic self, you're also giving permission to the people around you to be their most authentic selves. And, you know, when people say, well, you know, how can I get my partner into meditation? Or how can I get my friends to do yoga nidra? Like they really need this. And, you know, really the best way is to just be the example and to be connected to your true self and people will see it and they'll take notice. And if they're interested, they'll ask, you know, what are you doing? You, you seem really happy or you seem like really connected, like what's going on. And maybe they're not ready. You can't take anyone's journey for them. Maybe they're not ready. Maybe they're not interested. That's okay. And really we just have to remember that like, it's about, you know, in a way it's about us and it's kind of like what they teach us in kindergarten just focus, you know, on yourself and worry about what you're doing and try to, you know, be the best person that you can be and connected to your authentic self. And I just really think, you know, one of my big takeaways from all this work is just if you have the courage to show up as your most authentic, honest, vulnerable self, you're giving the other people permission around you to do the same. And that can be incredibly powerful. Oh, it so is. And and maybe you give them permission to do the same and maybe it just looks completely different than yes. than, than your truth. And that that's so true. Like I'm a huge meditator. I love breath work. My partner, he he likes yoga nidra. He's a yogi, but um that isn't just isn't it a meditation and breath work? He might do it occasionally with me. And for him, things like jujitsu or something more physical of this different kind of discipline he gets there through a different way. And that, and I, and I, I had to, I did a lot of work the past few years to get over this because in a, in a relationship where we, we think, oh, they should, they should be just like me. They should want to do everything just like me. And that's perfect example of what you're talking about is allowing people to find and trust their own authentic self. It's not yours. 
<laughs> yes. And if we if we want people to celebrate and love us for showing up as our most authentic selves, that means we need to be willing to do the same for yes. others. And we can't want and hope everyone to love and embrace who we are as an individual, but then not be willing to do the same for others. And I think on that note, that is a beautiful way to kind of wrap up this podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming on. Was there anything else you wanted to wrap up before we start to close the show up today? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't, you know, just everyone go try some yoga nidra. Yeah. See, see what you think of it. I always say try it twice because it might be a little different the first time you're still kind of getting used to like what's going on, what is this practice, and, you know, try it twice before you decide if it's for you or not. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for sh- showing us today the beautiful wisdom and practice of yoga nidra. How may we, the listeners, as an act of huge gratitude for you, be of service for you today? So the first is to do something to connect with your true self, whatever that is, through meditation, through yoga nidra. Um, That, to me, is just wonderful, beautiful. If you're trying to connect to your true self, I'm so excited for you, and I appreciate that. And then the other, I guess, more tangible item I recently started doing something where one of my podcast episodes per month is a community episode and all the ad revenue generated from that episode gets donated to a uh, organization in my community. And um, the more that people listen to those episodes, they're released on the first of the month, the larger donation I can make um, on behalf of the Mindful Minutes community to these organizations that are doing incredible work Um Mostly, I like to pick ones that focus on helping women and underserved populations. So if you want to go check out my podcast, I would recommend you start with the mini episodes on the first of the month because you'll also be um, supporting some really wonderful women doing incredible work. Um, I'm in the Minneapolis Twin Cities area, so you'll be helping them as well. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. And we'll link all that in the show notes for you guys. So just a click away. And if you guys like this episode, make sure that you hit subscribe and share it. If you're thinking about a loved one who might enjoy Yoga Nidra or or would love to hear more about your transformative authentic self, go ahead and share this because not only does it help the show, but it helps Kelly get her word out and ripple the effect of even helping her local charities in, in her own way in the first of the month for episode, which is a beautiful opportunity. And if you guys haven't already written a review, please write a review that does help the algorithm. We are about the woo-woo here, but the, but writing the review helps so much to get, get the beautiful word out like our beautiful guest today. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. It was so fun jumping into the yoga world with you. I, yeah. I love to jump into yoga nidra. <laughs> Uh, I love it. And I appreciate you so much for having me and letting me just share all of this and giving me a space to just have a great organic chat with a fellow Yoga Nidra lover. This is like my idea of a great day. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Thank you. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way.